Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are seemingly unrelated paranormal phenomena actually related? Are there life forms as yet unknown to science? What are self-organizing plasmas? Hello and welcome to the 997th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WOON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben and that was Paul and today we bring you a recent guest to continue a very unusual conversation. Uh, to join in, you can give us a call from anywhere. That's 401-766-1240 or Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. Um, our guest has yet to appear here. We're going to try getting him on, but at the very least, we can introduce him so that we can just hop right into it um, if and when he appears. So returning to us via Skype today is Dr. Simeon Hein, author, educator, lecturer, and sociologist. He is the director of a research and teaching company, the Mount Baldy Institute, founded in 1997 to allow people to learn remote viewing. Uh, Dr. Hine is the author of Open Minds, A Journey of Extraordinary Encounters, Crop Circles, and Resonance, uh, Black Swan Ghosts, A Sociologist Encounters, uh, Witnesses to Unexplained Aerial Craft, Their Occupants, and Other Elements of the Multiverse, uh, planetary Intelligence, 101 Easy Steps to Energy, Well-Being, and Natural Insight, and Dark Matter Monsters, uh, Cryptids, Ball Lightning, and the Science of Secret Life Forms, uh, which is the subject of our discussion today. And also, it was the uh, subject of our last discussion with Dr. Hein, which was uh, here with us on February 26th. You can look for that show. That's uh, number 985 in the uh, 2023 archives at BehindTheParanormal.com, or you can look it up via whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Well, we hope that Dr. Hein will join us soon. Um, he, This is uncharacteristic. I hope everything's okay. We will keep trying to raise him. Uh, in the meantime, uh, why don't we go to one of our questionnaires mm. that came, came in. We don't often have a chance to do that. And uh, Benny, keep one A on the screen, one A on the uh, questionnaire. Yes, uh, you you better believe that I will be cross-eyed by the end of today's show. Hmm. Um, so we're going to read from this this uh, questionnaire at the at the moment, and it's it's not often we get to do this, so we can consider this a little blessing in disguise. Um, so the experiencer here talks about their experience with Bigfoot. Um, that an entity uh, communicated or tried to communicate with them um, and writes, I was on a field trip in Kentucky and uh, went to Breckenridge, uh, a school in Moorhead, Kentucky. I had just moved there with my family from uh, San San Leandro, California. Jeez, that's a move. Uh, I, I don't remember uh, what state park we were at. Uh, we got off the bus, went on a hike. Our teacher said we had a few minutes of free time. Two of my new classmates uh, wanted to show me something secretly. Uh, one grabbed my grabbed my hand, and we we ran to an off trail uh, spot where there was a waterfall. I was confused, and she said, "Look into the water, or or something else, and see all these uh, girl girls skinny dipping at the bottom of the falls." Uh, I was just thinking, why do the, these girls think there's no one that can see them? Because we could see them. Uh, which led me to look up and around, and we were mostly hidden by by staying down under a hedge or budget, bushes. Uh, but I stood up curious to know uh, who else might see them. As I did, I looked at the top of the waterfall to see there was a stump of a tree 
that looked out of place, and it started to change and kept growing. I almost rubbed my eyes, uh, but I couldn't move my arms as if it was um, the thing that was growing wasn't making sense of my vision or trying to or my vision trying to make sense of it. It was huge, and my eyes told me it was not a bear. Uh, but my mind, but my mind said it must be a bear. But my eyes saw, and then my mind saw, and I wanted to uh, warn the girls in the water. It was uh, fully standing now. I could only think uh, of the girls below. They were laughing and splashing. I couldn't see their features, but I saw them, and I felt terrified, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was looking at it and telling myself monsters weren't real. Then I realized uh, I had to be loud and tried to point it out. Uh, but it turned halfway around towards me, and I, I was thinking, wait, I can see it. Can it see me? Uh, yes. The uh, <clears throat> And something something the, the experiencer writes is, is mind speak, which is interesting. It told me, uh, yes, I can. Uh, then I thought if, if I screamed, could it uh, get to me faster? Then I screamed, and I, I looked uh, into the distance, and all the while not breaking eye contact, uh, when I f- had first seen it, uh, it looked at me with what I thought was evil hatred. Uh, and then I mean this in seconds. When I was trying to scream, uh, I heard, yes, I can see you, and I can be there in a second. The look changed to almost uh, of this will be your choice. My new classmates uh, still hidden under the hedge height. As I tried to raise my hand, um, they jerked me down and said, what are you doing, you dummy? You're giving us away. Uh, she had to. She had my hand and and pulled me and uh, had me run faster. And we ducked and we were back with our class. I felt so weird. I now know I was in shock. And the teacher was looking at me and said, uh, "Are you okay?" I tried to speak, but my two classmates who had shown me the sight uh, were shaking their heads in disbelief that I w- I would give them up. So I said nothing. I got on the bus. My head hurt. I I was so tired and afraid and confused at the same time. Um, I thought they saw it too, but it was something, you know, we don't, you know, tell adults. I don't remember talking to anyone else. I, I sat alone on the bus, praying I would make it uh, without throwing up. I was sure I, I was a coward and was sick for days, uh, you know, watching the newspaper, newspaper for reports of, of dead girls. My family asked why I, I was looking so frantically in the newspaper, and I just said for school. I never told anybody. I blocked it out uh, a time after. I couldn't really process it, and it was killing me. I don't know when it was buried, but I was a child of 15 or 16. I just can't remember. Uh, I just can't. I just remembered when I was in my late 50s, I heard a podcast, and it was identical to what I felt um, all the way back then. I'm 65 now, and it's been eight years since I've remembered it, uh, and it haunts me every day. I've told a few people, but uh, the looks on their faces, I have a daughter and grandchildren. It's something I, I see uh, will make them doubt who I am. Maybe it will change uh, innocence for them. Uh, that would that would be harmful. I do feel that I'm I'm not living my my truth. And unfortunately, until you see, you can't. I have <clears throat> I remember an experience with my brother in California that wasn't clear until I had an experience in Kentucky. He says he can't remember, but I look and I remembered him, uh, or I reminded him. He he was uh, he had that same look of terror. And he basically said the same thing to me, that I needed to run, and as he ran past me, I never looked back. Uh, but I remember the look in his eyes, and I didn't want to see what he saw. And she goes on to basically fill in all, all of all the things, but essentially that experience kind of tells the whole... Yeah, we, we can take those one at a time. Yeah. And this is from uh, Diane in Utah. 
thank you, Diane. That has to be one of the most unusual Bigfoot stories I've ever heard. Mm. Um, a couple of questions, of course. How did the classmate know that people would be swimming there unless the classmate knew who they were in their schedule? And what was the, the Bigfoot doing there, if that's what it was? Uh, apparently it was. Uh, <clears throat> seeing these creatures is one thing, but attempted communication is unusual, but it is reported. Uh, in my one, perhaps two encounters with uh, that sort of cryptid, uh, one in 1967 before I was even doing this, and again in 2016 in Pennsylvania, um, I felt no attempt to communicate. Uh, when you were experiencing the uh, what we dubbed the Woonsocket Wild Man in the woods above, uh, between Woonsocket and North Smithfield on Woonsocket Hill, did you feel any attempt to communicate? Uh, if, if we're being honest, I didn't want to. No. So... <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm 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 like, you know, 16 years old, you know, I'm working my first job, I'm exhausted, and I I just kind of want to go home. Yeah, you know, the the last thing I, I want to do yeah. is 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 be be bothered by some mystical entity if that's indeed what it was, you know. Yeah. So so I I I don't think so. But then it, it raises another question, which is you know, how do we know it's attempting to communicate with us? There, there's this this constant theme throughout human culture where you know there, there's references to like faces and such. And so one of one of the sort of ancient ideas is that like you know your your um, portions of your body right they they give you different powers. So one of you know your your feet symbolize the power of movement. You know your your face symbolizes the power of communication your eyes are not just squishy little balls in your head they give you the power of sight etc etc or like you know your right arm is is considered you know a sign of power so that's why you shake with your right hand or whatever it's it's like all, all these little these little portions of of human interaction that have very deep metaphysical meanings and so one of the things that i always find really interesting is is if it shows its face, right? You know, we have that whole that whole thing where show your face, right? You know, coward, and it's like you know that it's it's like a like a goading thing, right? You know, you don't want to communicate with me. Show me your face, right? Same thing. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because it, it, the way that that communication sort of in, initiated in a lot of these things, it's like. You, you find very visceral things, like they're, you know, smacking trees with sticks, or like, you know, they're, they're sort of like howling, or, or whatever, and you have these more mystical things that are kind of going on, and it, and it makes me wonder if it's like, how we inter, how we interact with the phenomena, like we brought up in our show last week, right? And it's, it's how we, how we interact with it, and, and sort of how, how we, we interpret it. You know, with our show last week with, you know, Philip Kinsella, whose whole thing was, you know, we kind of agreeing with us that what we bring to the event is what we get out of it. And it, it doesn't make it any less real, I don't think. Mm. But it's it's how we, we interpret it. 
because it's it's kind of hard for for me to say right because I've never had that experience you know it's the whole problem with the subject object problem that you know philosophers have been debating over for centuries at this point and I, I think you know really at the end of the day it's like we're not really we don't really know because we weren't the ones who experienced it I mean you know even even Aristotle says you can't know the essence of events. You know, all we really have is just kind of knowing the energies, quote unquote, of it, how it affects the world around us, and how we see it impacting the world around us. And those are kind of the energies that we have now, right? Not energies as in, ooh, electric vibrations, but energies as in kind of like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. Like ripple effects, you know, as they, as they interact with us, right? This woman, this woman's experience, very traumatic, obviously. Um, you know, contrasting with your very mystical experience you had with with Bigfoot, mm. you know, and I always find that really fascinating in 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 how these different experiences, you know, we have no idea about the essence of them because I wasn't there, right? Yeah, you know, all I know is is how it's affected mm. you, and all I know is how this has affected poor Diane here, and yeah. so I think at the end of the day, it it comes down to the subject object problem, and I don't think we're ever really going to know the 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 object in this in this scenario only because it's like all we really have is just the the tools that we have to interpret the experience well uh, oddly enough this questionnaire has questions so uh let's go through some of uh diane's answers uh one the question here after the the narrative what were your impressions or feelings during this experience and she said i felt an immediate danger all right, just the opposite of mine. <clears throat> if whatever you experienced reacted to your response above, please describe that reaction. And she said, yes, he responded to my thoughts with his voice in my mind, as you uh, narrated, Ben. Mm. <clears throat> then there's the Oz effect. Um, and the answer here, uh, before, during, or after this, this experience, I felt somehow detached from the world or that there was an invisible wall between me and my daily life, I had other but similar impressions. Now, that's interesting because we <clears throat> consider that uh, the Oz effect or the uh, a variation on the Lenster effect, a term we uh, came up with, to uh, express the experience of passing between one world and another in conscious ways, this being the multiple worlds in the multiverse that we're always talking about, if that theory is true. We happen to believe that it is. <clears throat> so um, being cut off from daily life, a feeling of detachment, uh, can be a very valuable spiritual experience, or it can be a symptom of chronic depression. You know, so well. There's a difference between detachment and disassociation. That's true, and I th I think that's an important distinction to make because Maybe this she's sounds this talking sounds, about this disassociation, yeah. right? Because that's a very traumatic experience, and it's like, and I I, I find it really interesting because there's this neurological thing that happens because um, all those little little lumps in our brain and all those little neurological paths that are created they're they're created basically as like little information highways. This was explained to me by a psychologist once, and I, I thought it was super interesting. I always find neurology super interesting. Um, because the more we do things, you know, there are sort of these little highways in our brain that kind of 
you know, we just keep doing it and forcing it and forcing it. It's like every day, right? Every day you wake up, you get out of bed, you know, and then you have your morning routine, as it's called. And if you ever try to change your morning routine, you always find it really hard, especially if you've been doing it for a while. The, the psychologist I was talking to was basically saying, well, think of it like a road. You know, the, the more you use a road, you know, it's like, you know, you, you kind of keep up with it. <laughs> you, you would have known it sometimes, depending on where you live, but you, you keep up with it, you keep up maintenance, etc. But then the roads you don't use, they kind of fall into disrepair. So you, you gradually forget those, those roads, but, the, you know, the paths are still there. And so as, as, you know, you're, you're dealing with these things, it's like, you know, keeping, keeping something like that bottled up in you for, geez, like 50 something years, that's like, you know, you're, it, 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 that does a lot of damage because it's, it's like, you know, not, not to, not to reprimand, not what I'm trying to say, but, you know, it does a lot of damage only because, you know, you're, you're keeping these experiences in and it's, and it, it creates this, this stress response so you know you you block it out, you push it away, you don't think about it for a long time, and then you hear something on on a podcast, as she says, and it reminds her of that event because that neurological pattern and pathway was already established for that stress response, right? It's like you know humans, the way we respond to stress now, right? Our body doesn't differentiate situations, whatever stressful, is stressful. You know whether you're a Neanderthal running from a lion. Or, you know, your boss comes up to you and yells at you at work, your body's response is exactly the same. It doesn't differentiate between stressors. So it, if you're in a situation that reminds you of something that that gives you, you know, stress, especially something like that, then boom, you know, of course you'll have that exact same response and it'll feel exactly the same. So I, th- I think it's important that we don't compartmentalize everything. Because, yeah, sure, it is indeed, you know, an experience where, you know, you are become... You, you are become. You become more aware of the multiverse sort of unintentionally, but, you know, that doesn't mean it doesn't affect you on a psychological level or emotional level or even on a day-to-day mundane level. All these things are, are layers in the same experience. I think that we have this this tendency to compartmentalize everything, unfortunately, due to our, our, mo- our lovely modern world where it's like, you know, well, you know, I'm not feeling great. Well, here, take a pill. And it's like, yeah. well, that doesn't really fix anything. It's like, what's the what's the root of the problem? What's the root cause? And it could be a, a, a plethora of things, you know? And so you have to treat things until you eventually get to the source. And so it's, you know, and it, it affects you in many different ways. It's like, you know, if you're stressed out, because we're going to go with that metaphor, your body responds by lowering stomach acid. So people who have, like, chronic stress tend to have a lot of heartburn. You know, and, you know, usually a doctor will say, well, I'll just take pep- Pepto-Bismol. And it's like, okay, well, that, you know, takes it away for a little bit. But the problem is, you know, your your stomach doesn't have enough stomach acid to digest things. So you get acid reflux, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the, the big issues, it doesn't, you know, just affect one thing. It's it's a, it's a definitely, you know, a, a multi-level experience. So my editor's hat is kicking in and... Uh you are become is not incorrect. It's just an archaic form. Mm. So that was a good one. I like archaic stuff sometimes. Then, <laughs> uh, and this is very interesting from Diana's answers here, or Diana, uh, Diana, I should say. If you were with others, please describe your reaction. Uh, they didn't see was her answer. Now that indicates, of course, a subjective experience. But that didn't, doesn't mean the experience wasn't true. People often think that it, 
if everybody didn't see it, because we run into that all the time, particularly with UFO cases. Mm. You have a large group of people. Some people see it. Some people don't. Now you see it. Now you don't. So uh, I find that quite interesting. Mm. That means she was attuned to the, uh, in my terms, the parallel world where this thing was existing or came from. Came from. Well, then the other question is, why would they take her to that spot specifically? Yeah, they, I know it. That's the other side of the coin. Is yeah. Unless they were seeing something else, but then they just never talked about it again, so we'll yeah. never know. Yeah, right. Well, we, I don't know, maybe they talked about it later in life. Yeah, there's really only so much a questionnaire can yeah. bring up sometimes. And here's a, a big one. Have you had other paranormal experiences during your life? And Diane answers, I have had other experiences in my life that could be considered paranormal. And uh, at the same time, she says, I had no interest in the paranormal before my experience. So I think we're going to uh, write to Diane, who did not leave her email address here, unfortunately, and we will attempt to contact her one way or the other. And... uh, find out some more about her experiences. But again, very, very interesting uh, experience of this kind. But I emphasize again that just because something is subjective doesn't mean that it's not true. Uh, Just because someone has particular feelings that are very different from someone else, then uh, it's certainly not uh, anything that's going to... uh, indicate that the experience is legitimate. Mm. And we, we often talk about the factors that we ourselves bring to paranormal experiences. You know, so, um, and the example I'm always using is when I had my Bigfoot encounter in 2016, uh, a little girl the year before had encountered what appeared to be the same or a similar creature on a road just below the hill where I had my experience. Mm. And hers was very far from mine. It was She was absolutely terrified by it. Oh, yeah. And has never spoken to us about it in the ensuing years. Now, of course, we were down there in 2019. It had a very large neighborhood meeting. Uh, we had done that every year since 2016, but the uh, group of attendees had grown to the point where nobody's house could accommodate them. Mm. And we had to go to a restaurant that had these really great hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> and Rockton, PA, the uh, over-the-mountain uh, place, we'll give them a free plug. Uh, and that was uh, a Bigfoot-themed restaurant because everybody's seen Bigfoot around there. Hmm. And uh, Alexander Petikoff was with us then. That's when I learned the term squatchy. He said these woods are really squatchy because <laughs> we were doing a lot of experience. And I should, I should, excuse me, I should say exploring in that vicinity. And uh, we were in the squatchy uh, woods, you know, at that, at that point. So mm. um, the Pennsylvania case is really kind of climaxed in a way. With that UFO, we got on the same trip on video. Uh, that's available on our YouTube channel, which we don't promote enough. Um, 
Behind the Paranormal Paul and Ben Eno YouTube channel. And it's all free. And uh, with COVID, we couldn't go back there for a couple of years. And now uh, there's some. Uh, there was a loss in the family down mm. there, and all kinds of things are going on. So yeah, we do hope to get back. But in any case, uh, we do encourage people to use the questionnaire at BehindTheParanormal.com. And um, why don't we take our break? Yeah, sure thing. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you live from this uh, this beautiful sunny day here in Rhode Island's Blackstone River Valley. And we will be right back right after this. Hi, this is Joe Callahan, your Mater D inside the Tiki Bar, heard Monday nights at 6 on ON Radio. It's one full hour of Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by Attorney Bob Lauder, the Carew Investment Group, Pep and Lumber, and Family Discount Furniture. ON Radio, ON Local and live at 99.5 FM. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WON AM and FM Radio, 1240 AM, 99.5 FM. And we are here. Unfortunately, Dr. Simeon Hine is uh, still MIA, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep trucking along because, boy, oh boy, do we have, do we always have some listener questions and all sorts of things that, that we either A, never get to, or, or B, it's, we we spend too much time on usually the simplest of questions because it's always the simplest of questions that tend to make things run over. So you are listening to us here, and it's actually a very beautiful day here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Nice 70 degrees and, and sunny as opposed to yesterday where it was raining for a full day, which was fine. We needed all of that. Anywho, back to, well, back okay, to our, our discussion. So... Um... Wouldn't you know what? Uh, I always bring the pile of uh, questions, and I didn't bring them today. <laughs> I just said, however, I, re- I remember uh, the tone of uh, some questions that uh, are asked by multiple listeners over over the weeks, and uh, people are continuing the theme of, of subjectivity versus objectivity in paranormal experiences. I think back to uh, Philip Kinsella's uh, appearance last week and the notion of um, what kind of stimuli would a clairvoyant like himself, and he doesn't like to use the term, I respect that because it's got a lot of baggage, um, experience in a place like Rendlesham Forest in England uh, where the, the it's known as Britain's Roswell because all sorts of UFO experiences took place at the end of 1980, uh, witnessed by U.S. military personnel and British police, and we've we've done that uh, a great deal on on that uh, uh, case over the years, and uh, we also have um, interestingly, uh, NewEnglandGhosts.com has been uh, redesigned, although the, the new site is not up yet. But uh, that particular page on that case um, would not load. I, I don't hmm. understand. I have to ch- check on that. But in any case, um, I'm thinking of um, your experience there uh, in September of 2012 when we 
visited at night with um, Larry Warren, the uh, one of the uh, witnesses, and there's a lot of controversy about Larry, but um, recent uh, books and research have kind of, uh, at least according to the authors of the books, uh, sort of given uh, Larry's uh, story more credence, and we are open-minded to all possibilities, and Larry is a personal friend. Uh, in any case, so um, there was uh, he was with us. Also, uh, Brenda Butler, mm. Beverly Plumridge, people who were there living in the area when that case went down in 1980. Uh, Beverly is uh, not Beverly, but um, uh, there was also uh, we we met Dot Street as well, but. Um, Brenda Butler was considered one of the original civilian investigators of that case uh, in the 1980s. So we were, um, and and there were a couple of other local listeners to our show. But we didn't get out of the parking lot or the car park, as they call it there, when you collapsed. And uh, I hate to keep bringing it up, I think it was significant in the... Well, it is and it isn't. Object, you know. I don't know. Well, I, when you did, all, all every dog in the area started to howl. Yeah, it happens. Pretty creepy. <laughs> happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, mm, I, I don't like talking about it only because it's no, like it, it's it's one of those things where uh, I, I don't I don't know how to articulate it well. And yeah. and if well, I well, the thing is. Uh, it was an experience you had, and the rest of the group did not. Right, and so I, I think it's important because, you know, the whole subject-object thing. I, I, I look back on it, and I, I am very. I, I, I guess I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find a way. This, this is not good radio. Me stammering and such. But the, the idea, the problem is, I'm just, I just don't have a way to articulate how, how what happened in in an, in an intelligent way to be able to speak about it and and not sound oh, like a crazy that. person yeah yeah so the the problem with it is it's 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 mostly that you know i i don't do super well with just being there has to be a balance like i said last week to philip kinsella it's like there has to be a balance between the intuitive and right. and the logical. Right. And and there's a big problem where people focus on either or and neither the twain will meet. And that's that's the really the big issue I I think because it's I get the the response trying to to take things and make it more intuitive but then you lose your footing and you tend to kind of just, you know, be taken up with every whim that you see fit and <laughs> and take it take it as quote unquote gospel, and then the other side of the coin is you just completely disregard all of it and say, well, it doesn't really matter because really all that matters is this very two dimensional Hegelian nightmare we've kind of created in our minds where everything is flattened out and, and able to be explained, and that's not really the case either because there has to be a middle ground. And for whatever reason, you know, nobody wants a middle ground. They want either or. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so the, that's the big problem, in my opinion. So before I, I go off and start saying things about it, you know, I, I would, I've, I've never really had the time to kind of 
sit down and really, really think about it and be able to articulate it in a way where I can feel comfortable expressing it in a way that makes it make more sense to others. Because I can go on and on about it all I want, right? But the problem is that the the whole point of, of this show is to be able to explain and and express these these thoughts in a way that people can engage with. And so if I can't yeah. do that, I'm not going to do it. No, no, I, I, I you just expressed the very feelings that I had when I was trying to decide whether to write my last book that, that we didn't write together, but it was in my byline, uh, Dancing Past the Graveyard, published in 2019. Right. And these were experiences from way back, like the exorcisms and stuff, that I had worked very hard to bury. And uh, as you said earlier so well, it, it doesn't work. They keep uh, germinating inside you. Uh, it creates stress, creates problems, so... Uh, much as I hated writing that book, and I'm talking particularly about experiences where, um, you know, for 50 years I've been telling people, don't do the medium thing because you don't know what you're talking to. Uh, you know, it's not always that simple, but... Um, and here I'm recounting experiences where it looks like I'm doing just that. Um, I don't consider that that's what it was. I think it was multiverse communication, uh, through meditation, but uh, regardless of what you call it, uh, that's something that um, I just uh, didn't want to talk about. Well, so, I, I mean, I get it. It's it makes sense because it's like it's it's hard, you know. When you get to a certain age, you figure you don't tell a story, you're not going to. Right. Well, there's also a, a sort of healing element to telling a story. Yeah, as well. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And. But taking a quick step back, I I wonder, I don't know. I always find that that the whole idea of of being a medium, I I find it a funny term because it's like being a medium of what? And I guess really it's it's kind of understand. You know, we got it, the defining the term, and I don't know if we've ever really gotten a definition for it. I've yeah, never really thought I've never really thought about asking until just this moment of what exactly is a medium. And well, it, we we asked uh, Valerie Lafaso that she's one of our oh that is true. Well, we asked co-hosts. we asked a specific type. Yes, know, that's true because yeah. she's empathic. Yeah, yeah. And so we we asked that question, but not the overall thing, right? And and if there's one thing I I learned, one of the few <laughs> useful things I learned in college, well, it's only useful in this moment, <laughs> is um you know what you know, understanding a medium versus a media. Right. 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 And so it's like you know a a medium is sort of a a object through which we experience some through which we experience something, and that's in the broadest sense of of the term. And it's like okay, well, what what is the media in this case? You know, not saying like the media being the thing that comes from the medium, and that's the question. That's the other side of the question, which is what is it? And, and well, you've been rubbing elbows with the paranormal for the last 18 years. What uh, what do you say a medium is? Oh, well, I guess I, don't know, I, I brought this up to somebody once. I don't know why people call me an expert because it's... Well, there are so, no experts, just people no, with interesting ideas and experiences. I guess, or strong opinions Yes. Um, based on limited experience. So the, the other, I, I guess, I don't know. 
I've never really found a fitting <clears throat> definition for it. It's it's kind of like you know, it goes back to the whole intuitive thing, right? Where it's like you know you we in, intuit quote unquote information you know by by using the senses, even a sixth sense which is ill defined, and so by picking up quote unquote you know these 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 senses feelings etc they're then interpreted, but then the other the other side of the coin is. I don't know. I've I've never been a medium. I don't claim to be one, and so I don't. Nor do I? Right, and I don't. I don't understand. It's it's hard to understand the experience of it because it all comes across as so. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. It comes it comes across in in a way that is just hard for a regular person to experience. So it's like. Um, I don't know. I, I find it odd because it's it's very it's very trusting of the of the world around you, and I'm and I as I've been kind of playing with the ideas of um, of uh, Charles Taylor, right? You know, the idea of the the poor self versus the the um, um, oh geez the geez my my brain just forgot what the other side the other self was uh, barrier. No, that's not the right word. Sheltered? No. Uh, buffered. There we go. Buffered, buffered self. Okay. The idea of the, of the buffered self, right? It's like, you know, the, the idea of being a porous individual where you sort of allow the border between yourself and the world around you to kind of be, you know, not really delineated. It's it's kind of vague. You, you kind of interact with the world around you, etc. Um, then arguably a medium is, is, is just that, you know, is, is sort of... Allowing the border between themselves and the the rest of the world to kind of be you know wibbly wobbly tiny wimy type stuff where it's like you know it's not really it's it's not really well defined, but at the same time, you know it's 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 not quite like that because it's it's taking the intuited ideas if you want to call them ideas thoughts feelings etc you know and and interpreting them in a way that separates themselves from the world. So it's almost like halfway there, but then once you once you step back from it, that's where you you kind of run into an issue because you have to take these things and then interpret it. It's um it's it, it goes back to the ideas of you know in, you know Greek philosophy, right? You know, sort of the four sort of ways in which we deal with knowledge and thoughts, and one of them, um, you know, you have episteme, which is scientific knowledge, techne, which is technical knowledge, um. Uh, doxa, which is the knowledge of public opinion. Oh, what's the last one? Um, arguably, you can you can say you know noetic. You know the 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 way in which we engage with spiritual knowledge is sort of in that that realm. But one of the really interesting things is doxa, right? Because it you know you use public opinion to interpret data, so you can get a bunch of data you know using that portion of knowledge to you know get the data points, right? It's like you can. It's like a word problem, you know. You you no, that's not really great. It's like doing an experiment, you know. You it's like you turn on the news and every other week there'll be a report. Oh, coffee's good for you, scientists find. Oh, coffee's bad for you, scientists find. Coffee's good for you, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you know, you wonder, well, is it good for me? And so you know, the problem is that they get a bunch of data, right? You know, they they calculate how much caffeine is being ingested. 
and they calculate the amount of grinds that are in the coffee, etc. They can tell you how much caffeine, how many grinds, how much ice, if you like iced coffee, if you like hot coffee. You know, they can tell you exactly that. But then what's needed is opinion, right? You have to interpret the data. So by taking that data and interpreting it using public opinion, right, you know, stuff that's that's kind of known, you then use that to interpret the data. And so, you know, uh, an entity can tell you all sorts of things, right? You know, oh, it's thinking of somebody with the letter J or something like that, right? And it's it's somebody with the letter J who means something to you. They're old, and you you know they're they're throwing out these these vagaries. Let's say it's it's true, right? You know, and they they then take it and they have to interpret that, and then take that to somebody and say, well, Paul. I there's somebody with a, a a B that's trying to tell you something. They're very old. They know you well. They know something about your handkerchief in your left pocket or something like mm. that, right? And then you then take that and interpret the data for them. Uh, but that's not always the case. You know, it's possible that they're they're picking up stuff, right? I'm not saying that they're not, but the the thing the problem comes in with the interpretation and any any sort of thing that I've learned. In that realm, a lot of it was learning how to interpret things, because that's like the other side of the coin. You know, you can get all these these points, but then the problem comes where you have to interpret it, and it's like, and that that's really the big question: is what are they interpreting, and how is it getting interpreted? Well, I'm thinking of three mediums we've uh, we don't have them on the show very often, but uh, I'm thinking of three we have known over the years. Uh, Susan uh, Shepard, mm. the the late Susan Shepard, unfortunately, has uh, translated. But uh, you first met her in uh, West Virginia, West Virginia, twenty o three, when I was speaking. You were you were eleven, uh, not even maybe. Wow. And, yeah, I was uh, young. I, it was before I wore glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was speaking there, and the entire family. Uh, uncharacteristically came with me to the to, to the conference. Uh, Bud Hopkins was also there. Uh, so uh, in having Susan on the show over the years, I was impressed with her feet on the ground approach to this, mm. her awareness of what you're talking to might not be legit, and the lack of naivete in that department. And we agree on everything, but um, I think we learn from each other. Very aware of multiversal ideas. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking, too, of our, our good friend Valerie LaFasso, mm. who was an occasional co-host of the show here, and our co-author on the uh, book that seems to be dragging uh, behind the paranormal three, Uneasy Skies. Uh, which looks like it might not be coming out till next year now. Uh, but she is also, she's the empathic medium. I think she's very feet on the ground. Oh, yeah. Very aware of the dangers and very aware of the multiverse. And I think we've learned from each other. Mm. And a third, the third in our area here, uh, Gary McKinstry. Mm. Now, we first met Gary in, uh, I think it was early 2019 at that big conference in Warwick that Unfortunately, it was not publicized. And I think there were more speakers than there were people in the audience. But uh, that's where he first heard our ideas and said, that's the way I approach it. And he's been on the show. And uh, 
really good fellow. So I think there are plenty of feet on the ground mediums who um, are aware of how it might be working, uh, aware of the dangers, and in, in my book are pretty much uh, legitimate. Hmm. So, you know, there's a certain amount of give and take with ideas, but... Uh, Which is always a good thing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So, uh, but, um. But the key, the key here is the, the idea of, of discernment. Yes. And, and using, you know, your, your head when dealing with these things. And so I, I think that, you know, the, you know, Gary, Valerie, and the late Susan Shepard, you know, they, they, they think about things. They, they, they engage with it. They understand, they, they, yeah, they may again. They may not agree with everything we yeah. say, which is fine, you know, because I could be wrong, but it and we could be wrong. We could have been wrong this whole time. <laughs> Nine hundred well, plus shows. <laughs> you know, there are others who have not agreed with us. Uh, been on the show. I'm thinking of um, was it Su- Su- Susanna Martin? Uh, some years ago, uh, one of the uh, a disconcerting number of guests who have. Uh, uh, passed away or translated immediately after being on the show. I don't know what that means. Oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was a, a police psychic. I don't have the show number available here, but uh, you could do a search on Martin on our in our archives. Uh, but she was um, rather adamant about the old spiritualist interpretation. You're talking to dead people. And uh, the others that we mentioned, I think, uh, were aware that maybe these aren't dead people. Maybe they're people still alive in parallel worlds where the laws of physics are different, et cetera, et cetera, as we've explained it many times. So uh, I think that uh, that's a real possibility. But uh, to get back to our guest, who we we didn't have today, uh, we will check up on... um, uh, Dr. Hine, uh, immediately after. Yeah, we certainly hope everything's okay. Yeah, because that, that's happened before. Yeah. Uh, that people have run into difficulties of some kind and not been able to appear. Not yeah. very often, but we will, uh, check on that too. Um, so in any case, um, his, uh, particular approach is very interesting. And as we said, you could listen to his February appearance at show 985 in the 2023 archives at com, And we do hope to have him back uh, relatively soon because yeah. it is an interesting topic, and I, I, I feel like we only just scratched the surface with it because it, it brings up a lot of interesting questions, especially about the idea of sort of these these in, uh, sort of like intelligent, these intelligent plasma based things that basically yes, could fit the mold. matter. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think what he does uh, that fascinates me is take uh, our ideas, and he's a big fan of our work, and he puts the science behind it, and he really articulates it. Uh, so to me, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree, and I, I think that that's, that's kind of fun. And I, I think it's... I think it's more more interesting. Although I I have this, I, I didn't get a chance to bring this up last time because I I did want to kind of add in this whole idea of that I kind of brought up earlier. This this Hegelian nightmare of taking things that are sort of abstract and forcing them into our two, into our two dimensional world, 
where it's like it's all matter and that's it. And it yeah. and I, I think that there's a danger in that. Just because it adds adds a layer of science to it doesn't mean that it's not really a real thing. I mean, it's like... Oh, when, he knows that. Right. Yeah. And so that's that's why okay. I kind of wanted to... I wanted to bring bring that up at some point in time. So it's that big... But I, I'd want to like do a little... Dig a little, a little deeper into it first. Well, maybe be, you have a different opinion, but it seems to me that uh, scientific materialism, at least in areas of science that are willing to listen to philosophy and spirituality is dying. Uh, you know, as the be-all and end-all, anyway. Maybe you have a different opinion. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, only because I, I feel like there's... Uh, I don't want to say feel like, that's not the right word. Just, just from my observations... It's 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 not really dying so much as it is kind of shifting focus. I, I think mm. the the problem with academia, especially now, is it's a giant echo chamber. And that's what you know, it's what the Ivory Tower kind of always has been, yeah. is it's a big echo chamber. And there's this this idea that um you know uh, just just from um, dealing with with academics in a in a philosophical sense in my in in my travels outside of doing the show, it's it's very they think very one dimensionally, and it's like well you're just like me but you haven't read the same books I have, hmm. and so therefore you agree with all of my opinions because you're just like me but you just haven't read the same books. And that's a really dangerous way to think because that kind of defeats the whole point of academia, which is, you know, you go there to hear different opinions. And I, I even found that when I was in college, you know. I, I found it fascinating when I, I took a class on anthropology and it was religion and globalization, right, you know, which should be a quote-unquote very diverse experience. And everybody said the same stuff. <laughs> no. And it was like, yeah, I was sitting there and I everybody – Everybody sounded exactly the same. There was no difference in opinion. Everybody said the same stuff. That's I, not science. No, and and that's that's the thing. And so the the problem I I've found is there there's this accepted line of thinking that you kind of have to stick with. And I mean, granted, you know, I graduated college almost you know like eight nine years ago at this yeah almost like nine years ago at this point. And it's, but at the same time, not much has changed. I, I've just, from what I've observed, if anything, it's gotten worse. So I think one of the things that that's kind of important is is that you know there's this exclusivity that's in academia that you know kind of pushes out a lot of this stuff. And so you know when we had on, um, um, you know we we we've had we've had shows talking about all all of this stuff before, so it's not nothing really new. I would say that scientific materialism, although you know not as as prominent as it has been, it's it still holds a place culturally. I would say because you know I mean look at the world around us. You know it's like th- there are these abstract concepts that we deal with constantly, right? You know with the with the dawn of you know the iPhone here. It's like, you know, we have to learn all these abstract concepts, you know, quickly. And, you know, people are thinking more and more abstractly. But the, the problem is that there's still this, this sort of thing that holds us down and forces everything into this two-dimensional space that we, we find ourselves in. You know, you find people more and more depressed, right? And, 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 you know, all these different social problems because there's no engagement in anything mytho- mythological, quote-unquote. You know, there's no engagement in any bigger story. 
It's just, well, you know, you're living your life, etc., etc. Nothing really matters, you know. You, you kind of come into this nihilistic existence that's brought about by materialism. And whether we like it or not, you know, we're all, you know, materialists at the end of the day because it's like, well, you know, my experience is real, but, you know, something over there, that's not, that can be swamp gas, right? And so, you know, we live our lives in this certain way because that's how we're trained to think. So it's it's not really dead. It's just we're we're stuck in a mold that we've been in for like 200 years, yeah. well, 300 arguably, and we can't really get out of it. Well, just in our last few minutes, um, uh, there have been a lot, something completely different. There have been uh, a lot of questions about what we think of the um, modern paranormal shows. Oh, there he is. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's better than late than never. Let's answer. Dr. Simeon, are you with us? Uh, hello. Hello, Dr. Simeon. Hey. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Great. Well, not, not so great, actually, because the show is almost over. Um, oh, I thought it was at one. No, no, no. You're in central time, right? Or mountain time? Pacific. Pacific. That's even worse. No, uh, the show started at noon Eastern, so uh, we're, go- we're going to have to reschedule you. Sorry about that, guys. So the casting crews will be in touch, but uh, you will hang out for the last few minutes anyway. And sure. we're just um, talking about uh, maybe you have an opinion on, uh, you know, the uh, people have been asking questions, uh, listeners, about... Uh, you know, uh, ancient alien series and Oak Island and that sort of thing. And uh, our, we have opinions. Uh, and your mother, Ben, has been watching those, much to my alarm. Mm, but uh, Very disconcerting. A lot of those people are friends of ours who are on those shows. So uh, Maddie Blake, for example, from The Curse of Oak Island has been in, he lives in Rhode Island. He's been with us in studio. And uh, so what do you think, Dr. Simeon? Uh, about those shows? Yeah. About. Uh, I have not watched any ancient aliens recently, so I'm afraid I can't comment. Well, that's good because we have no time left anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, so, no comment. Good job. Okay. 25 words or less. You did it. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, you know, hang around. So, uh, Ben, uh, take it away, please. Sure thing. So, we've got a couple things that are going on. On uh, June 11th, it's going to be our, uh, you know, our celebrate, we're going to be 15, celebrating our 15 years on the air. Um, and also what happens to be our 1,000th show, uh, at least in the number of broadcasts, that is. Uh, this will be a two-hour roundtable on Ultimate Questions uh, with Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Kripal of Rice University, groundbreaking UFO, UFO researcher Kathleen Martin, author and lecturer, scientist and experiencer Matthew Moniz, uh, and renowned British consciousness researcher Anthony Peake. And the show will begin at noon Eastern, that's 9 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. UK, and run for two hours. And we will take questions via Paul at BehindThatParanormal.com, or you can reach us via Facebook as well. Uh, look for us at the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend and September 2nd, 3rd, if I can talk by then. We plan to do our traditional show from there with a live audience on September 3rd. And you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008. 
from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WON, AM, and FM. Uh, you can also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So what's cooking next week, Ben? Well, 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 next week, that's uh, May 28th, we'll bring you an open line show to tackle your questions on all sorts of paranormal subjects, and it'll always be those questions that are one sentence long that will probably take us the whole show. We'll leave you today with a thought from that old 13th century darling, Rumi. Maybe you were searching among the branches for what can only be found in the roots, unquote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.